Hey guys, welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. This is episode 24 of the podcast. It should have been episode 25, but I screwed up and I accidentally deleted a two-hour podcast that I did with my good, good buddy, Matt Dickinson. Um, so I'm going to have Matt on again soon and we will re-record. I was really, really looking forward to posting that podcast, but I have learned my lesson with technology. I need to save early and save often. The only amendment I want to do is clarify some things about the Lewis and Clark journey. So Thomas Jefferson commissioned the expedition shortly after the Louisiana purchase in 1803 to explore and to map the newly acquired territory. He also commissioned this journey to find a practical route across the western half of the continent and to establish an American presence in the territory before Britain or another European power tried to claim it. The campaign's secondary objectives were scientific and economic, so they wanted to study the area's plants, animal life, and geography, and they wanted to, to be able to establish trade with local American Indian tribes. So a few of the things that Chorp and I were talking about on the last podcast was where Lewis trained before they went on the journey, and then also I wanted to clarify some things about Sacagawea. In 1803, Jefferson sent Lewis to Philadelphia to study medicinal cures under Benjamin Rush, a physician and humanitarian, and he also arranged for Lewis to be further educated by Andrew Ellicott. Andrew Ellicott was an astronomer who instructed Lewis in the use of the sextant and other navigational instruments. At Monticello, which was Jefferson's residence, um, Thomas Jefferson possessed an enormous library on the subject of the geography of the North American continent, and Lewis had full access to it. So he spent a ton of time consulting maps, books, and conferring with Jefferson before they left on the journey. So on to Sacagawea. So Sacagawea joined the expedition at the headwaters of the Missouri River because the expedition needed someone who spoke Shoshone in order to ask the Shoshone Indians for help navigating the Missouri. Sacagawea was a Native American who married a French trapper and was living with him at Fort Mandan, which is near modern-day Washburn, North Dakota. And she actually stuck with the crew for the remainder of the expedition. So in like our history classes and if you see depictions of Sacagawea in media, she's always depicted usually as a guide, um, but she's only recorded as providing direction a few times. Her work as an interpreter certainly helped the party to negotiate with the Shoshone. However, her greatest value to the mission may have simply been her presence during the journey, which demonstrated the peaceful intent of the expedition. Like I said on the podcast with Chorp, there were a few times where they almost got into some skirmishes with, some skirmishes with the Native Americans, but Sacagawea's presence actually helped them maintain peace with all the tribes that they came across. For Spencer's favorites, I want to talk about Boise Mutual Aid. They are a loose organization that meets every Monday downtown to help feed the homeless and provide clothing, shelter, tools, and anything else that will help those down on their luck living on the street. If you want to learn more about them, please follow Boise Mutual Aid on Instagram. Once again, that's Boise Mutual Aid on Instagram. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, here's episode 24. Welcome to episode 24 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have Drax. I actually don't even know how to pronounce your last name. Delfico. Delfico. <laughs> Drax Delfico. I just know you as Drax. Yeah, I know. I get that a lot, though. There's no other Draxes. No. Yeah. So um, I know. So you're a 
parole officer, yep. right? Probation parole for the state of Idaho. Yeah. Awesome. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Because no. I actually don't know what you do on a day to day basis. Cool. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of people don't. So yeah. when I'm out and about in the field uh, doing home visits, which is that's our that's one of the biggest part of our job is home visits on the people that we supervise. Yeah, I will get looks and I'll get recorded all the time. Oh, seriously? Right, because I'm in full uniform, right? And our uniform is tan tan pants. We have black shirts that have parole agent on the back. I have an outer vest that's yeah. a parole agent on the back, and we have we carry everything that a patrol officer would sans the taser. Okay. Just because we don't get trained in that. So you have a belt, uh, handcuffs, gun, all that stuff. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Duty belt, gun, everything. Yeah. Everything except the taser because our department can't afford it. Oh my God. Seriously? (laughs) That's That's why. why. Can you carry your own taser if you wanted to? No. No. I mean, there's a specific class through through, uh, the peace officer standards and training of Idaho. You have to get certified and trained in the use of of the taser. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So we have, we have people that do. So our fugitive recovery unit, it's a group of a couple guys. They actually recently got trained in that. And I don't know if they're allowed to carry it yet, but they're certified in it. Gotcha. So, Crazy. But yeah, we don't carry tasers. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So people that don't know, I get, I get recorded all the time. We all get recorded yeah, yeah, there all you the time. Um, so basically what we do is, so I work for the state when people get sentenced. So the difference between probation and parole are probation is essentially you're still under the jurisdiction of the court, the judicial system. Okay. Parole or so you, they could get sentenced. They do either, they do some time in jail, sit in a county jail or, and, or they don't do any jail time at all. They just get sentenced to probation. That usually happens with people for first time felons. Okay. And they go straight to supervision but they're still under the jurisdiction of the courts and the judicial system. So if I ever have to, or if we ever have to write a report of violation or report something to the, to someone saying, Hey, this person violated the conditions of their probation. We report to the court system. Okay. Someone on parole is when they've been, they committed a crime, they've been charged, they've been sentenced and they actually do some prison time. So they go out to the institutions, which are out in CUNA. And so they do prison time. And then after a certain period of time, uh, there's a lot of factors that come into play, such as, you know, how well they're doing, uh, what their time was on their, on their court order, uh, on their, on their judgment. And so they can get, uh, be, become eligible for parole and then and they get paroles just getting off early or getting out early, right? Getting there. It's, it's not getting out early. They're getting out, uh, and they're serving the rest of their time. On outside, oh, okay, on the outside. gotcha. So they're still, they're not. We don't call them inmates. We don't. We don't even really call them offenders anymore. We like to call them uh, clients. That's oh. the that's the push we're going towards, and that's the, I guess you could say PC. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. That's how. That's what we're referring to them as. But uh, so they could clients. get sentenced for, they could get sentenced to six years, eligible for parole in four years, right? Something yeah, like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and then they'll come out and do the those two years on parole. Which gotcha. is out in the community, working, doing everything that a normal, I guess you could say, person would, uh, except we supervise them. Yeah. So yeah. do you do you have like normal certain times that you come and check in on people, or do you drop in whenever kind of thing? Or we, we go whenever we want. There okay. aren't any restrictions with uh, with that. That's why that's one aspect of the job that I love is because I kind of create my own schedule. Yeah. So I usually do all my home visits early in the morning. Yeah. Like I'm out and about by four. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It, it, at first, the people that are new to my caseload that I supervise, they, I, I give them a heads up because people get pissed when you go. Yeah. Just <laughs> show I'm up knocking whenever. at the door at four in the morning, yeah. four or five in the morning, people get pissed. So I, I usually like to give uh, the people that come onto my caseload a heads up and say, hey, just so you know, especially people with families. I want to be considerate yeah. and say, Hey, just to let you know, let, let your family know, let your roommates know that, uh, your PO me, I come early. Gotcha. <laughs> I so, so do you get a certain number of clients assigned to you then? Or yeah, when I first started about three, a little over three years ago, I had my caseload was, uh, almost in the eighties. Whoa. Yeah. It's, it's Holy bad. Smokes. We are so we're understaffed. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. Uh, if you look at uh, statutes that defines our job, uh, it 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 puts a limit, a cap, a recommended limit of fifty. Oh wow! People. When I first got hired, I got over almost eighty. Damn. So have they filled those positions then? Like, has your caseload gone down? Uh, it did. It but it it always fluctuates, right? Like people are always coming on and off uh, supervision. Um, People are either we're either having to make arrests, putting them back before the judge or the the commission of pardons and parole, or they just they go down a level in supervision. I don't have to supervise them at a higher level anymore, so they go to a different PO. That's usually how that's how it was when I first got hired. We're in the middle of a transition right now on our standards because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus. Yeah. So our our standards are kind of changing. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how what that looks like right now but that's only because not that i don't keep up with our own standards but i'm a i'm a drug court po now, okay. and so my role is a little bit different as a as a po so for drug court i am a, i'm in i'm a po in the ada county drug court program it's a pretty intensive program it's very strict um it's a it's what's the word i'm looking for it's an intense program. I mean, there's a lot of structure. That's what I'm looking for. It's a really structured, a lot of structure to it. For the clients. For the clients. Yeah, yeah to try to get to the end of the mm -hmm. program. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it goes in four phases. Phase one, that's kind of that entry period. People are looking, are getting used to the program, all the rules, what, what they need to do. They get an overview of what the rest of the program looks like. Um, it's pretty intensive, uh, but I like it. Yeah. The people who the people who it it typically typically takes about a year, I want to say, a little over a year for the average participant to complete the drug court program, and by the end of it I've been to a few drug court graduations already. It's pretty it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, to that's see. awesome. It's, it's actually pretty cool. They'll they'll give a speech and they'll they'll talk about their life prior to the program and how it completely turned around after the program. How long are they normally in the program for? I want to say on average, and this is give or take a few months, but a little over a year. Okay. So I think I want to say 14 to 16 months in the program. Gotcha. Damn. That's crazy. And it's all kinds of drugs. It's not just one. one no, kind of drug. yeah, it's all kinds of, uh, they could be addicted to all kinds of drugs. There's a lot of factors we take in to consideration when we accept someone into the program. Yeah. Um, but obviously because it's a drug court program, a true drug addiction is, is definitely a factor. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it could be to anything really, even alcohol. Yeah. We have part, we have participants that, uh, that have, have, that have a severe alcohol addiction and that's what we need to focus on during the program. Gotcha. That's cool. I didn't know that that was a part of it. Yeah. Do you, so do you get like close with the clients? I mean, do you become friends? with Oh them? no, I wouldn't say friends. It's a, it's a professional 
it's kind of we're like guidance counselors okay almost. gotcha uh, our our job is i know a lot of po's and don't like don't like this kind of this explanation of it but it really is it's like 80 percent counseling and guidance um and then 20 percent law enforcement okay gotcha so so we, we do get we have to build rapport yeah and we have to get the clients to to buy in and trust us and trust have faith and trust in the program as well and just supervision and the system in general we really do our best to show them that law we're not out to get them we're not looking for them to mess up and commit a new crime or we're not looking for violations we're really trying to help help them turn their lives around and yeah guide them give them the resources sometimes it feels like i care about their success way more than they do <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I give them the resources i'll explain this too these are all the resources you have at your disposal we can get you a lot of a lot of things but you have to put in the work like i can't do this stuff for you yeah and you won't learn <laughs> yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because debbie works at the hospital she's a nurse and she was talking about how sometimes some of her sicker patients sometimes just don't want to do like the rehab or they yeah. don't want to, you know, help the nurses out when they come in to do stuff or they like refuse to take meds. Yeah. And it's like the people who want to get better will get better. And then the people who don't want to get better just get sicker and die. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny that you said the, especially the, the meds part. I've been there where um, they'll have mental health issues on top of the drug, the substance abuse. Yeah. So that's what I've come to find in, as working as a PO, it's Idaho is really lacking in mental health services, which it, it, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people need that. So a lot of these people, they have this underlying mental health condition because of any number of factors, right? Like environmental, like how they grew up, um, where they grew up. It's just their whole livelihood, the way they grew up as children and that developed the, whatever kind of mental health issue that they have. And there's not enough or they either don't have enough money. They don't know any better to go get help. They don't know that they need help. Yeah. And so they feel this way and they feel terrible. And so they, they medicate self-medicate with drugs, Yeah. which just amplifies some of the effects sometimes. And yeah, it's just a downhill spiral from there. I've helped out a little bit recently with the homeless downtown yeah. and you can definitely tell, like, oh. You can tell who's there and like doesn't really want to be there and who wants to better their lives. And then you can tell the people who like have an issue and probably need some professional help. But yeah, it's like, where do they go? There's a couple homes that they can stay in downtown and there's groups that go out and feed them and stuff. But like yeah. for them to truly get better, like what could you do? You know? Yeah. And it's tough because so if we ha if it sucks because I don't know of anything that will that pre felony that will help people because that's the goal that'd, that'd be ideal to help these people before they commit a crime to get a felony to get on our caseloads and then we get them the help yeah because that's usually what happens like these these some of these people actually a lot of them need help right they don't know any better and they end up committing a crime uh, getting caught with possession or something like that and then they come onto their caseload but now they're they're a convicted felon we can get them the help then you know yeah like resources open up that at that point we can direct them to substance abuse counseling. There are, there are some mental health. Uh, Terry Riley has, we refer a lot of people to Terry Riley. There, there's one services. that opened up right down the street from the hospital. And I think it's called, uh, Oh my gosh, I forget what it's called. BRC. I think is the, hmm. uh, 
the acronym for what it's called. Okay. But we, so I work for laboratory services at St. Al's okay. and they send us labs. Oh. Um, and that's why I've gone in there and I've kind of met some of the counselors and stuff and the medical director. And I mean, it's interesting group of people in there. It's, okay. it's wild to walk into those places. BRC. I actually, I'm actually going to look that up because if that's a resource that we can utilize, then that's something we'll use. I, I think they provide counseling and housing. Okay. There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If they do that, I'm sure there's a PO out there that knows about them then. But yeah. I'll definitely look into it. I mean, the people that run too. the place are really nice, but like just you go in there and there's a bunch of people hanging out and it's <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, I'm never exposed to that stuff, you know? And so yeah. it's, uh, it's very jarring to see it. And it's, I mean, Boise's a small city and there's a lot of that here. Like yeah. I can't imagine what it's like in bigger cities. Yeah. So yeah. it's crazy. It is. It's reward is a rewarding job though. No, don't get me wrong. It's tire. It's tiring too. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and then our caseloads are crazy. Yeah, but yeah. Um, let's crack our brewskis. Let's do it. I uh, I'll crack them if you want to explain what you got. I got a Sapporo, so it's a Japanese Japanese beer, and I guess I I just found this out recently. I don't know if this is true or not. I guess it's it's brew. It's not no longer brewed in Japan. Oh, seriously? I I don't know. Let's see. That's just what I've heard. I have only been exposed to uh, Sapporo when I drink uh, or when I eat sushi. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the best with sushi. Actually, your parents said that on when I was coming. Oh, in, no way. And I was like, nah, I really want sushi now. <laughs> but, okay, they, so it's imported by this company in Wisconsin, but it's brewed and canned by Sapporo Vietnam. Oh, wow. Vietnam. Vietnam. Interesting. So. Holy smokes. So you're... Are you half Japanese? No, I'm actually or? half Filipino. Oh, okay. No <laughs> yeah. way. Half Filipino, half Italian. Cheers. And oh, cheers. So that's what I always knew growing up. Yeah. Because my my mom is from the Philippines, and she immigrated to Hawaii okay. from the United States uh, when she was about twelve. Okay. And then my dad moved to Hawaii from New York uh, when he was twenty-one. They met, and then. Had my uh, had my brother and I. Gotcha. But my brother, I want to say a few years ago, did uh, two of those DNA tests. Uh-huh. Uh, it was twenty the twenty one and me one or twenty three or twenty three and me. And yeah. then he did one other one. I can't remember what it was, but the results said it said we we're for sure. Um, I want to say Italian because it said Northern European or something. Uh-huh. I'm guessing is Italian. Uh-huh. And then it said it said Filipino, but then it said we were like 17% Polynesian. Oh my god, no way! <laughs> <laughs> so both of them said that. Yeah. So I took that to uh, that was enough evidence for me to claim that I'm Polynesian. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, but I don't know which one. Yeah. I mean, I'm tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it, it, you know what's funny about that is. Uh, who was I just talking about that with? I think it was my sister and my wife. But if you look at like the obesity rates, and this came up because of coronavirus, mm. um, because of like I wanted to see what the obesity rates were in different countries. I actually think, I think I have this. That would be awesome. I do have it. <laughs> All right. So obesity rates, the highest obesity rates in the world, Nauru, the Cook Islands, Pau. Palau, okay. Marshall Islands, Tuvalu, Tonga, Samoa, um, <laughs> federal states of Micronesia, oh, no. and then Kuwait, and then the United States. Oh my but, god! But a lot of those are like above fifty percent. But we were just comparing, Holy like, crap. because South Korea, like their death rate is so low with coronavirus. I wanted to see where South Korea was, and they're at four point seven obesity rate 
And the United States is 36. Did you say South Korea was 4.07? Yeah. Holy cow. They're a skinny country. Yeah. But it's funny. It's like mostly like the skinny countries are mostly like Southeast Asian countries. And then like Japan's on there too. And then there's like um, Rwanda, Afghanistan, Uganda. So I I think there's some poverty mixed in with it too. But I mean, that's... I've been like a, I, and without delving too far into this, I knew we were going to talk about coronavirus. <laughs> um, but I, I truly think it's hitting America so bad, or like, so they say it's yeah. hitting us so bad because we're so fat. Dude, I think, yeah. I haven't done the research myself, but I, I like the what I've seen on social media, <laughs> and then from what you told me now, yeah, that's what it seems like. It's yeah. just being unhealthy. Overall. Un, yeah, unhealthy in general. Overall unhealthy. And I don't like nobody's addressed that. No. And nobody like I never really got education on like how to eat well oh, and like either. cook your own food and exercise and like what's unhealthy to do when I was little, like in yeah, school. No. No. But, yeah. Not at all. I haven't either. And then speaking of coronavirus, I think we, I had mentioned this before we started, but that's what I wanted to say. I mean we have to talk about it. It has literally changed it's unprecedented times, right? It yeah. Literally changed everything i mean even the way even my job like I, nothing has changed uh as far as me uh, us still supervising people i mean we have to supervise people i mean yeah we can't not do our job i mean yeah. we, we supervise convicted felons that live out in the community but even then we have these restrictions now like having to wear mat the masks the ppe um making sure that we have good reason to go into someone's house to, to do something to whether we have to make an arrest or yeah. because they don't, we want to stop the spread. I'm using my quote, my air quotes <laughs> here, but it, what, so when it first came up, I'm not going to lie. Like I was in that, I was in that group that took it, that took it super seriously. Like, Oh my God, we've got to, I've got to stock up on stuff. So I bought, we bought a ton of food, uh, bought a lot of canned foods just to save up, um, we didn't have, I didn't do the toilet paper thing, but I, I didn't get that. I'd never get that stuff. I, yeah. But then off on a tangent in Hawaii, that was a thing too. So in growing up in Hawaii, uh, we, we used to have like natural disaster warnings all the time. Yeah. Like, uh, tsunami. They have the sirens. Hurricanes. Yeah. I, I don't actually remember the sirens, but I do remember hurricane, hurricane warnings all the time, tropical storms, all that people would, uh, panic buy toilet paper yeah and so <laughs> when when that happened here like people were all surprised and it was normal to me yeah because that's what people did in hawaii too but i don't get it if you think about it, like why the toilet paper? i think i, I heard on it. a podcast somebody was talking about it and they said which made sense to me they said it's like the one thing that you feel in control of okay um and so many people like have never wiped their butt with something besides toilet paper so yeah you know I guess so. Baby wipes, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> That's I kept. I felt, I felt so bad for um, a good buddy of mine who's actually, um, he's a TAC, TAC P. Oh, guy. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and his wife just had a kid. And, like, during the coronavirus thing, they couldn't find baby wipes for their kid. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, that pissed me off. And uh, and my other buddy, he just had a kid too, and so every time we saw the size diapers that they used, we bought them and would give them to them. Nice, yeah. oh, that's nice. Yeah, but, but it's yeah, it's like diapers ran out, baby wipes ran out, toilet paper ran yeah. out. <laughs> we got lucky. We order oh, Amazon. We order everything off Amazon, so mm-hmm. we've already we already have like a 
a subscription to these certain diapers and baby wipes. So we just get them in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it was interesting too with the N95 masks, and then like even the more filtered masks. I don't even know what they're called. Like you, what you use for painting. Oh, I don't know what they're called either, but I know what you're talking about. When the coronavirus thing like first started to happen, my wife and I went to Home Depot because we knew they had those, and they were sold out at every single Home Depot. Every single Fred Meyer, every single Lowe's. It was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. it's It was bizarre. It was weird. I, I remember sitting in, um, I work with a pathologist who's an independent pathologist out in Nampa. Okay. And I was sitting in his office when the coronavirus thing like first started to happen. And you can go on the CDC's website and they have like, it almost looks like a war room like map of the world. <laughs> and it shows like where the virus is spreading and stuff. And it was in Wuhan and it was in like a couple other places. And then I think, I don't know where it went to first. I think it went to Canada before it came to Seattle, but there was like one case there and he just looks at me and he goes, we're all going to get it. And I was like, holy, like a few months down the road, I called him and I was like, dude, you called it. Like, yeah. I don't know how you called that, but it was crazy. That, well, he was right. We're all going to eventually get it. And that's where I was going before I went off on that toilet paper tangent was um so i did i was taking it seriously at first yeah and i was i was like oh i'm not gonna go and then that the the gyms were closing and stuff and i had a few friends that would still train uh jujitsu even though the gyms were closed and they would invite me and then but my wife was like no because i don't want it i don't want you to get it i don't want you to bring it to us and i was like yeah i'm not i don't want to do it so i stopped training for the, the that initial quarantine yeah but then Fast forward to, I want to say, like two or three months ago, I get a call from, or I get a text. My brother and my two sisters and I get a text. We get a, we're in a group text from my dad, and he's like, I, I have it. I, oh. te I tested positive for it. And so we were all actually kind of scared because he's over 60. He has underlying health conditions, and he's not very healthy. I mean, he, yeah. he eats like crap. He's a little bit overweight. And so we were actually, my brother called me and he was concerned. He's like, we got to start planning. Like if he dies, I mean, we've got to do all this stuff. And I'm like, holy, I mean, holy God. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah, you're right, I guess. And so we, we just started keeping in touch with him. Like, hey, how's everything going? He got super sick. He was actually one of those, what I now know are rare. Yeah. He was one of those rare ones that he got. He actually did get really sick off of it. Uh, he said it was like the it was like the flu on steroids is how he described it. He yeah. couldn't move. He was he was out of commission for a good seventeen days before he started recovering. Jesus. Um, and he he claims I think I think I think my dad might be pushing a little bit, but he <laughs> he claims that he has some like permanent lung damage because he said he's fully recovered now and it's been over a month since he's recovered from it. And then he um. He, every time he goes on a walk now, he used to go on walks. He goes on a walk, he said, like, a mile in, and he, he just he has trouble breathing. Oh, wow. So he thinks he's one of those few. That they I, they kind of talked about it on the news a little bit, but it's kind of gone under the radar since then, the people that have these lasting effects of yeah. the coronavirus and that lung damage. I've heard, I've heard the lung stuff, but then I've heard, like, neurological stuff, Ooh, too. I remember that. Yeah, I, but, but he's claiming he has the lung. He got... And I, I, I can believe him. I mean, he was at risk in that at risk category when he got it. But then when he, when he, but what changed, what kind of turned me on it was he recovered. Mm -hmm. This guy who fit all of the, the factors for someone who would die of coronavirus recovered. And my sisters who live with him never exhibited any symptoms. Yeah. Did I'm, they ever get tested? No, they never oh. got tested, but because they never 
never had symptoms. Yeah. And then, so that's when I started changing my view on it. Like, is this really as bad as they say? Like, I'm not in the group that thinks the whole thing is a hoax. Yeah. I know there are people that think that I think it's, I think it's real, but I don't think it's as bad as they say. Yeah. And then, so fast forward even more to about, I want to say, I want to say a month ago. So this happened to my dad about two or three months ago. And then a month ago I was at a training for work. It was called instructor development because I'd like to be an instructor in things. Yeah. But it was held at, um, at an agency. And so we go, none of us, there's about 20 something people in the class. None of us are wearing masks. No one, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then afterward, it was a week long thing. We all get through it. We're, we're good to go. Graduated from it. Then I get a call about three or four days later from my, from my department's HR saying, Hey, we're calling because, uh, someone in the class tested positive for for coronavirus they exhibited symptoms yeah and they told me and i i found out who it was the person who tested positive texted me and was like hey i i was the one that tested positive i just wanted to let you know yeah and i was sitting right next to this person the entire week oh wow and then and then it ended up so there were eight people at each table turn at my table alone there were four people who exhibited symptoms and tested positive for it, two of which I actually shared food with. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so I had to go in quarantine. So my, my HR said, hey, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. Can't go to work. Can't do anything. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. So I did. And I told I told my wife, I told my family, I said, hey, I'm sorry. We, we all have to. We all have to quarantine just, just to be safe so we don't. The whole 14 days never not a single symptom for That's anyone, crazy. not me, not my wife, not my 11 year old, not my one year old. Yeah. No, yeah. no symptom. I am positive that I had it and I couldn't get tested. I actually called four different places and they wouldn't test. They you? wouldn't test me because I had no symptoms. And this was, was this when like testing was kind of crazy and they couldn't get supplies? And I think stuff? so. This was a month ago. Okay. It was okay. about a month ago. That was like towards the end of it though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. So it's interesting <laughs> that like, did you call like your doc? Or anything? No, I and I don't have one. I just have I go to like primary and uh, not primary health. I just the capital city family medicine. It's, yeah, it's yeah. right. It's downtown. Yeah, it's like an off independent you know, independent yeah. one, but they're affiliated with St. Luke's. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really know how that works, but I that's where I usually go. But I didn't have any symptoms. They wouldn't test me. I called two other places. They wouldn't test me. My own job who does testing wouldn't test me yeah. because I had no Cause you didn't have any symptoms. symptoms. That's like how it is at the hospital. Um, like nurses won't, even if nurses were exposed, they won't get tested until they're showing symptoms. And I think they're worried. Um, and I'm 100% speculating here, but I'm, I think they're worried that so many people would test positive that they'd be like understaffed and they wouldn't have anybody to take care of the patients. Yeah. So crazy i could see that but that's that's really what sent me over i was like all right this is this is ridiculous yeah like i I've not, i didn't even exhibit any symptoms and my whole family did it yeah we did the whole quarantine so like how serious is do we re, did we really need to shut everything down did we ne- really need to not have school start yeah you know or i mean school's gonna start but it's online yeah so yeah i don't know it's just what's bizarre to me is going up into the hills to like run or mountain bike and dudes are up there like wearing a mask, like, <laughs> like biking by themselves. Like that's, what's killing me. Like, killing me. Or seeing people drive their the cars. Car. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> they're by, like, if I see them with someone else, I'm like, okay, maybe it's an Uber or whatever. Or they're with their mom. Yeah. But like, by some, themselves. they're by themselves. <laughs> 
That I don't get that either. Yeah, right. But speaking of the masking, this is what I was talking about earlier. So I've been pushing it, right? I've been, I've been a little bit. Uh, I've been, I've been pushing it. Like I, I don't. I hate wearing the mask, and so I refuse to wear it. Yeah. I, but I won't be. I won't be a dick about it. Like, yeah. I won't be that Karen that you see. Online you don't want a that, video of you. On yeah, I don't YouTube. want a video of you. So, so I have been, and I've actually for I want to say. A while now, especially after I was quarantined for those 14 days, I will go into all the stores. I'll keep my mask in my pocket, but I won't wear a mask going in. And if no, and no one has said anything to me yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Um, and I have it in my head. If someone does say something like, say, hey, sir, you, you need to put on your mask, I'll do it. I'll, yeah. say, I'll say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to be the Karen yeah. uh, that, yeah. that, that, that fights it and says, I'll put the mask on if someone asks me, but no one has asked me until today. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, when I bought the, when I bought the beers, I go into the co-op and they were mean about That's it. That's the wrong place. Man. I know. You should have gone to like Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the, the co-op is the only place that has these cool uh, Asian beers that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go in there without the mask. I had my mask in my pocket. Because that's the plan the whole time. Yeah. And I go in there and everyone's wearing a mask and they all look at me and give me this hate, this hateful look. And I keep going. And then all of a sudden I hear like, sir, sir, yeah. sir. And I stop. I turn around and one of the employees, she's like, sir, you need to wear that mask. Oh my God. Put your mask on. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'll wear the mask. I'm yeah. sorry. So I put it on. Yeah. But that's the first time. So far, I've been at Albertsons, Whole Foods, gas stations. Uh, even the mall, I've gone in the mall and no one yeah. without a mask. I don't want to set I've seen people without masks on, and I don't think I've ever seen an employee like ask somebody to put one on. But like, yeah, Albertsons, Fred Meyer. Today I went to Home Depot and I saw somebody without a mask on, and like, I don't think anyone cares. No, you know, no, I don't know. But um, what was pretty crazy was the other day I had to go to um, the post office, which is like a federal oh yeah entity, yeah. and. There was an employee not wearing a mask, nice. and he would, dude. I, and I feel bad saying this, but he would. He had to be four hundred pounds, <laughs> and he was sitting down, and he was the only employee in there that was sitting on a chair. But he was like sweating profusely. <laughs> but it was just like maybe that dude shouldn't be out right now, and especially if he has whatever health condition or if he has asthma yeah. or something, and he's not wearing a mask. Like, that's the person I'm worried about. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried about you because I know you exercise. I'm not worried about me because I exercise right. and I eat healthy, you know? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's it's like yeah. people don't need to be coddled. I think at this point, people are like, if you're in one of those risk factor areas, yeah, make the decision for yourself. Be smart. Right, right. No, I 100% agree. Let people make their own decisions and be smart about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see the other side too. Like if this was a real serious thing and people were dropping dead at yeah. every like every day, just like all kinds of people, not just unhealthy people. I mean, if all kinds of people were dropping dead every day, then I, then I could get everything that's going on. Yeah. But it's not. That's not. Yeah. I mean, the survival rate is, or the recovery rate is still in that upper 90 percentile, isn't it's it? It's like 99.8 or mean, something ridiculous. Yeah, so let people, like you said, let people make that decision for themselves. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, you shouldn't go around your parents and stuff, but like, right. the fact that I can't have 11 people over to have beers in my backyard, that it's really weird. It was weird. <laughs> um, yeah, they started cracking down. Dude, did you see the pushback for the, well, I, I saw on your Instagram, the gym stuff. That they were talking about doing last oh, week. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were talking about closing gyms. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I so I didn't even know where 
I think I saw it on your story first. That's how I found out about it. Yeah. About what was going on. But I think they just got so inundated with emails mm-hmm. uh, that they just took it off the docket. Yeah. Because it was going to be, should we bring it back down to groups of 10 people and close gyms? Right. And they just like arbitrarily threw gyms on there. Yeah. And uh, the head of Central District Health was on Nate Shellman the other day on 670. Okay. And uh, Nate Shellman was grilling him with questions like, oh. what data do you have to like prove this and the the dude got like caught in a corner and he like couldn't answer the questions it was crazy that is crazy i haven't seen that yeah but no i'm i'm happy it went the way it did and i think the only reason why they took it off is because they were so overwhelmed with all these emails yeah about people that were getting pissed off about my mom sent an email <laughs> <laughs> my brother sent four from different emails <laughs> that's awesome i just sent one yeah yeah uh, he uh, yeah I, mean, I was just gonna say i love your shirt jujitsu oh, is essential yeah. We we made shirts that say exercise is essential. I saw that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It is. Yeah. It's it's so essential. I mean, it covers so many different uh, areas. So it covers our mental health, right? It's it's therapeutic, yeah. uh, physical. Uh, it keeps you in shape, and then and then with this too, yeah, it yeah. helps. It builds your immune system. I yeah. mean, you don't need to be a, a doctor to to know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I don't understand. It's like I don't know people saying that you that you can be like healthily fat. No. Have you heard that? No. It's a, it is a thing. Damn. But yeah, I I was fat for a while and I I can tell you it's easier walking upstairs now. <laughs> like my body doesn't have to work as hard. Oh my gosh. Um but I I guess I didn't know I I knew you were from Hawaii, but I didn't know you grew up there. How long oh, yeah. were, How long were you in Hawaii for? I was born and raised there. So I was born in 1988, so I lived there from when I was born to when I was 21. I oh, moved okay. to I moved here to Boise when I was 21. Uh my wife and I met at UH, University of Hawaii. Oh, okay. And then we ended up having our son. And then she wanted to move back here for that family support and everything which I, I couldn't give. I mean, we, I grew up, I grew up and I had a pretty rough childhood. I mean, I like dirt poor. I yeah. Mean, we, my brother and I know what it's like to live homeless. Um, so we didn't, we just didn't have that, the resources or the family support to help, uh, take care of our kids. So, yeah. And we wanted, she moved, she wanted to move back here. And then she actually gave me the option. She was like, you don't have to. You don't have to do that because he was unexpected. Right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. planned at all. It happened. But I'm in my head. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that. I'm going to be a father, and I'm I'm going to be a father. And yeah. Father. So I moved here. And we awesome. transferred to be a. So team. her her family is from here. Yeah. And she was from here, but she went to Hawaii mm-hmm. for for college. For college, yeah. Nice. That's where we met, and then she actually had grad. She graduated from UH with her with her degree. And then in time to move back here. And then I didn't. I had, I made a lot of dumb decisions. <laughs> and I, I was on the six year yeah, undergrad yeah, yeah. track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I moved here, I finished up at BSU. But nice. And then you went to law school too, I did. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <fuck> did. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I did. I went to law school in 2013 and then graduated in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I took the bar exam in July 2016 and I didn't pass it. And I had, and I was studying for the next. So I took it in July 2016. Found out the that I didn't pass it in September. That's how long it took for them to get our scores and our passing grades back to us. And then I started studying for the February bar exam. But then in that within that time frame of me studying from September to February, I ended up 
applying for and got the job as oh, nice. a probation parole, and I've been there for the past three and a half years. I think you fit there better than in a courtroom. Yeah, I actually did one of my favorite classes ever. It's interestingly enough was trial skills. Okay. And our final was uh, a trial. Oh, no way. And I loved it. Yeah, Yeah, I did. I did pretty good. Uh, But yeah, I could. I I did some intern work for uh, an agency. Not not a not a government agency, like a private and like corporation style. Yeah. And I did not like it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. If I were to practice, if I were to take the bar again, and practice law, I would want to do criminal law. Yeah. So. Yeah. Instead of doing like real estate stuff or something. Yeah. Although that's where the money's at. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. All of that private, uh, the civil law is where the money's at. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I interned and I did some, some work here and there for different, for different firms and I did not like it at all. So do you ever have to go to court now? With your current job? Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. So I actually even, and even more so with, uh, for drug court, we go, I, I, before the coronavirus thing hit, I, I have weekly, well, there's, so there's three of us that cover three POs that cover drug court. Cause it's so, it's such a massive program. There's a lot of people in it yeah. and there's in Ada County, there's three different drug courts. There's three different judges that cover the three different courts. Okay. The program's the same, but there's just so many people in it that they need that much. Yeah. And so each of us covers a court. So I would go to the courthouse every every week, once a week, for staffing, and then and then for court. And then okay. and then even before before I was on drug court, uh, when we make arrests, when we file reports of violations, sometimes I, I would get subpoenaed all the time. Gotcha. Evidentiary hearings. I, I I've had to do jury trials and testify. So yeah, yeah. So I know that they have a parole board. Mm-hmm. For the guys that get out, or before they get out, they go in front of the board and they kind of present, and the board makes a decision. Uh, but do they have something like that for probation too, mm. or is it more like if you get your wrist slapped, they like add on to it or something? Or yeah, so the way the way probation works, and the way I see it for for first time for first time felons, sometimes they they'll get arrested, and they'll they'll get arrested by local police, and then get charged. And they get taken to the jail, any county, the closest county jail. Yeah. Sometimes they may they have a bail that they can make bail enough. Sometimes some a lot of felonies they don't have. There's not bail until a judge a judge sets bail. Yeah. And so sometimes they make bail, sometimes they don't. But sometimes they'll make bail and then they'll just go to their hearings and get sentenced straight to probation. And the only jail time they've ever done was off of that initial charge. Gotcha. So it could be I've had I've supervised people who the most time they've spent in jail was. Um, I want to say like a week. Oh, wow. that's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a week in jail sucks, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say that's it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> better than spending six months or something. Right. Uh, you know what's interesting? And I I think it was inevitable that we were going to start talking about this stuff too, but like the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Um, I, I just started looking into certain things because I'm not well-versed on like certain social issues, but I guess I didn't realize the cash bail thing, like... It, it to me, I just objectively reading it, it kind of does seem fucked up that like, if you're wealthy, you can get out and go like strategize a plan with your lawyer and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then if you're poor, like you have zero opportunity to do that. Um, but that's one of those things that I was reading. I was like, oh shit, like maybe I should educate myself a yeah. little bit more. And I, I'll full disclosure, I'm not either. I'm not educated on that either. And I work in the criminal justice yeah. system, which which is like even talking about it now I should be. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're right. I mean, the guys who if if you're rich for 
lack of a better term. Yeah. yeah. If you're wealthy enough and you get charged with something and you can make bail easily and it's pocket change too. Yeah. That, that is, that's, it sucks. Cause you can just go out and hire an attorney for the same charge. Like yeah. two people can get the same charge and depending on their socioeconomic status, it's a totally different outcome for the exact same exact same charge doesn't that seem like a violation of like the is it the sixth amendment or the whatever no well cruel sixth and unusual uh, or, that's the eighth amendment or eighth amendment that's the argument um against cash bail but i think i'm sure i'm pretty sure and i i can't and now now i'm now this is a test of my law school this, <laughs> this, is, why, this is why i failed the <laughs> but i'm pretty sure the supreme court has upheld the, the they must yeah, have they, i'm I, sure I'm people pretty, have brought yeah. it up yeah. yeah it has been brought up i remember talking about this yeah. in, in classes so but it yeah it is that's crazy it's constitutional it doesn't it i don't want to i'm not going to say it's constitutional i'm going to say the supreme court has held it to not violate the, the eighth co- amendment yeah. of the constitution yeah that's crazy that's mind-blowing to me um I don't know, man. It, like people who fucking complain about living in the United States, it bugs me so much. Yeah, it does. It does me too, dude. We have it good. We do have it good, have and it, it good. can always be better. And I, I don't think we should get complacent because I think it can always get better. Exactly. But it's like, dude, do you know what is going on in like Syria and Yemen and yeah. in like a lot of different parts of Africa right now? Like, it's all, okay all, here. All over Venezuela, even like yeah. Latin America, and this is this is I'm I've never even been out of the United States, and I understand this. Yeah, I mean, for someone like you who's traveled, and I mean, I haven't traveled, traveled that. I've traveled to like very oh. like <laughs> I haven't traveled to crazy places, but like we've been through some poor places, and it's like you know what's very interesting is like city codes and how like you go to any city in the United States, and it kind of looks the same. Yeah, you know, there's like sidewalks and buildings are held to certain permits and stuff. But we've been through like weird parts of uh, Serbia, and there it's like, why does that building look so weird? And it's like, because there's no codes or like safety things in places, and there's just like walkways with drop-offs. And I mean, it's just funny how like, just stuff like that. I think we take for granted too. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And then the amount of our freedom of speech. Yeah, I mean, a lot. There's a lot of countries that don't have that. that Dude, they could you censor. imagine if no. we live somewhere else? People no. would not post the things they post on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, on any social media yeah. platform yeah. at all. Yeah, no. yeah. I, uh, I think people do take that for granted. Uh, you can say whatever the hell you want. You can say fuck the president. Yeah, and like nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's to you. gonna happen. Yeah, no. Yeah, which is. I mean, like you said, it because we're so used to that, have we taken advantage of it? Yes. I mean, we've been in peacetime for a long time. We have it good. And so yeah. I think that's kind of what led up to where we're at now yeah. because we can focus on these issues that are still issues. Don't get me wrong. Like the issues that are is being brought up today, and I, I can understand and agree with a lot of them. Yeah. But the way they're acting on it, yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah, I don't – I. I mean, obviously there are sentence disparities. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of shit. And like the inner city is predominantly black. Like you can't, you can't lie about those facts. Like no. people who skirt around those facts are, I think that's a little bit ridiculous, but I think like some of the true issues are poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're poor, you're screwed. And if you're on welfare, you're screwed for yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and I think that people conflate that with, um, like race. And I don't think that those two things are one and the same at all. I don't think so either. Yeah. But yeah, crazy shit. It's tough. And I wish I was more 
educated and knowledgeable in that area and I'm, I'm just not yeah you know i want to go i i would like to go back to school to study like i want to i want to study public policy and find out like why like why does shit get so bad in the inner city and like why when people are on welfare can they not get off welfare like they're stuck in a cycle you know yeah for at least from that perspective i can kind of talk about a little bit because my brother and i when i was living with my mom we were yeah. on welfare and i'm just gonna say i i, I hate I, I hate but i have to tell the truth too i hate to talk bad about my mom but yeah we were on welfare but she had that was her choice yeah like you know what i mean like there are some people out there on welfare that live poor like we did and grew up in shitty neighborhoods and shitty areas but it was her choice she was lazy and had some little bit of mental health issues but not enough to um incapacitate her yeah you know, that that to deem her not um not sane or anything like that yeah yeah but it was her choice she was just lazy my mom was lazy um see she, i wonder if th- there was some alcohol and drug addiction as well and it's like it's like it's like what we had talked about earlier people that want to change will if you don't want to and you want to stay where you're at yeah you will and i a lot there's a lot of people in that so I can, at least can speak to that aspect of it. There yeah. are a lot of people who just don't give a shit yeah. like where they're at and want to live off the system. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that crazy that people get so like, they're totally okay with how they are and yeah. how they're living life and they get comfortable. Yeah. And then it's like, I feel like when you're like that at a certain point in your life, you'll probably hit a point where you're like, Oh shit. Like I should have done something, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I turned 30 in like two weeks and I like, I feel like I've done some cool shit in my life, but I still feel like that. I'm like, fuck, I need to like, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the same. I didn't know you were 30. I thought you were like, you're, or you're not even 30. Not 30 yet. Dang, yeah. I'm 32. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel the same way. Yeah. yeah. I, there's so much more I have to do. Like this is not the be all end all. Yeah. I, I, there's so much more I want to do. I, I recently enlisted. Oh, did you really? <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, well, I think we talked about it a little bit. We did. Yeah. 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 Um, so are you are you going like full enlistment? No, no. So it's okay. This is where I'm in the process of it. This is a huge like, this is a huge thing for me. It wasn't an easy thing. So I enlisted almost a year ago. So September 2019 in the Air National Guard. The okay. Air National Guard. And fast forward to now, I still haven't gotten to basic training, and I haven't gotten any basic training dates yet. Okay. And it's been almost a year. Are so, they just, they keep pushing it out or what? No, we, I, we, I don't want to talk bad about it. Oh, oh. But they, it's we, a government we organization. Essentially, <laughs> we essentially got forgotten about. There's, there's like three of us that are trying to, that we're trying to go and uh, get dates and everything. But, it, but there was a whole lot that played into it. Um, Like in the whole COVID thing yeah. and then people not being able to go to work. I mean, I get it. Yeah. And it's government. And I work for the government. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. How a lot of red gonna, tape. Yeah. <laughs> But it's been, it's, but on, it's just been a while. And then the job I was trying to get into, it would basic training plus the tech school plus all the training and schooling that goes with it. I would have been gone for over a year. Oh wow! And I just had a baby girl. Yeah. Um, Congratulations! I, yeah. By the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. She's one now. That's crazy. But, yeah. God, but, time that, flies. but yeah, I know. But we knew that going into it. Like, I knew I was going to be gone for uh, about up to a year. Um, but over the course of this past year, they've added, they added, um, tr- additional training to that, to the school. So I would be gone. I've recently found out I would be gone for over a year 
just like that. Wow. And so I, you know, I brought that up to my wife and then the family and we were talking about it, especially with everything that's going on in the world too, right now with civil unrest. And like, there's so many factors that we had to have this serious discussion on. Is this something that I really want to do still? Yeah. Do I, can I handle being gone for 14 to 16 months yeah. away from my family? And what if something bad happens here and I'm, miles away at school without access to my phone not having any idea what's going on yeah so we ultimately decided that no i didn't want to pursue that job and so (laughs) and so this all happened so fast uh and so i want to say about a week and a half ago i inquire i talked to a bunch of most of my friends are like army army dudes i talked to some of them and reached out to the army recruiter i said hey this is where i'm at like what are my options and i learned uh in a nutshell that because i haven't in a nutshell so basically in a nutshell i learned that because i haven't had any basic training dates yet or haven't gone to basic training yes i signed the contract almost a year ago with the air guard i can actually get out of that and switch branches oh cool so that's what i'm in the process of doing right now yeah um i actually was on base at gowan this was it this past weekend? I don't know. It was a few days ago. Yeah. Putting in more paperwork to switch. I'm switching. I'm in the process of switching to the army. Gotcha. From the Idaho Air Guard to the Idaho Army National Guard. Okay. And I'm going to go the officer candidate school oh, cool. route. Nice. And ideally, if the Air Guard releases me um, this month, hopefully that's what we're hoping for, I would go to basic tra- army basic training in September. Okay. And then come and come back by December and January to start OCS in January. And that would be my drill. Okay. It is officer candidate school here in Boise on base. And that's my drill weekend once a month. You, so you go through OCS for two days a month yeah. until you're done with it. <laughs> no, Whoa, it's like, no way. It's 16. It takes about what? 14 to 16 months. Okay. So that same time frame. But it's here. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. get to go home. Damn, that's during awesome. The week. Yeah. So I would only be gone for that 10 weeks of basic training because they added two weeks because whenever you go somewhere now, you get quarantined oh, yeah, for yeah, two yeah. weeks. So they added two weeks to that basic training. But they have it. From what I understand, they have it down. It's a system now. Yeah. But that was much more feasible for me and my family. Yeah. And I get paid way more as an officer. Yeah, yeah. But. So, that's awesome. So that's where my life is at right now. And that's what it's, it kind of ties back into what we were just talking about, about still wanting to do more, still feeling like you can do something more. And that's, that's my thing was joining the military. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like I'm at that point in my professional career where it's, it's like I've been somewhere for a while Yeah, and it's not necessarily that I dislike that place or I dislike the job or anything. It's just like, I'm craving more. Like I just want to learn more, you know, yeah. and kind of not necessarily quit that job, but just see what else is out there and possibly go back to school. And yeah. 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 Oh, I totally, that's funny. I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm that such a similar mindset as you is don't get me wrong. I love, I love being a PO. Yeah. Um, it's been such a rewarding experience for the past three years. I've learned a lot. I've had awesome training. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Uh, dude. And I'm on our, um, our tactical team. Yeah, for the Idaho Department of Corrections tactical team, tactical team, which is uh, like the training and the knowledge and experience that I'm gaining is awesome. Yeah, but I'm ready. Yes, yeah, I want something more too. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. I'm thinking about taking the bar again. There's just so much. Yeah, 
uh, available that, to that, me. Dude, I'm the same way. Yeah, like I have a lot of options and it's like, okay, I got to hammer it down to like two. I got to like yeah. yeah, figure out exactly what I want. But I don't know. I've gotten into politics a little bit more and I, I like... I like the idea of like being able to understand society too, and that's yeah. why I was thinking public policy would be a cool, like why are things set up the way they are, and like why are there still these things that we can't beat, like poverty, like yeah, I don't know. I I get that there's always going to be poverty, but I don't know. No, those I think those are great questions, and I wish I was like educated enough to even like touch the surface of it and like go into it, but I don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? I don't. Know. And that's that's it's just crazy too, like. Um, you know, my wife has spent some time in the ER too. And she said, she just goes, there's some people that just don't give a shit. They just like going through life, how they're doing it. And they have no desire to do anything else. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. It's yeah. like, you have one fucking life. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you get to the end of it? And you're like, all right, whatever. That was it. Right, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get, I, I'm with you. That's why like, that's why I'm trying to pursue all these things yeah. and do, and trying to better myself all the time and yeah. seeking something new. Cause there are people like, well, I think my mom was one of them. Yeah. She was, she was, just was, yeah. she just didn't care. Just That's... was happy with exactly where she was at. Yeah. And, and staying like, the same. Yeah. Like I, I don't ever want to lose like my sense of curiosity either. Yeah. Like I like, I just like learning new shit. Like yeah. no matter what it is, Yeah, if it's geography or if it's like, physics or geopolitical stuff like it's just cool learning new things yeah no i am i'm with you i would love to learn new things too dude which is why i need to get back to jujitsu yeah i've been saying that for so long <laughs> and there's no more buy it anymore i, I know brad is listening to this yeah damn yeah i want to get brad on the podcast but i brad is very soft-spoken yeah and that's why i'm like <laughs> i i think if i probed him a little bit i could get him to talk um but i dude i fucking loved going into the jujitsu gym and like I felt like a little kid. Yeah. You know, I liked that sense of, you know, you bow before you get on the mat, you bow when you get off the mat, you respect the person running the gym, like you help clean at the end. Like yeah. I liked that whole aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like kind of a family environment. Oh yeah. Dude, oh man, I could yeah, this is something that we could talk about all day. Yeah. Like that there's so many facts of why I love jujitsu. So that that you talked about, that discipline and and respect like learning about that and then also the physical aspects of it and then what you gain too like you learn about yourself it's such a it's such a huge mind body connection yeah jujitsu i mean you're we're literally during open mat like my mindset is you're literally fighting with someone you're you're in a fight it feels like you're in a fight and it's about outthinking your opponent being what however many steps ahead of that opponent to to win but then at the end of it you respect it's all respect love and respect yeah and we all are in it for the same adrenaline rush um we're trying to kill each other but at the end of it yeah it's that respect and then we respect the teacher we bow out at the end too oh my god i love yeah that. yeah it was very humbling like yeah, that, that's a good word for it yeah i i just I weighed 240 and I think I'm a badass. And I, I played offensive line in college and like I'm wrestling Brad, who's like 160 and he whooped my Murdered. fucking ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, I gave it my all and it's just, it goes to show that like, yeah, if you're, it doesn't matter what your size is. If you can outthink them and you yeah. have that training and you know, certain things they don't know. Yeah. Well, it's actually that the outthinking of that's something I've just kind of learning 
myself as so I, as a blue belt. So I've been doing it for a while. And at first, like as a white belt, you come in and you're just you're just learning these techniques, right? Yeah. You're you're training just to train. Like you're you're learning the te- techniques, going through the reps just so it becomes muscle memory. Yeah. Right now, so I was rolling with a black belt from Poco, Pocatello uh, not too long ago. His name his name's Paul, and he he runs uh, the base Pocat- uh, out in Pocatello. Okay. And so after our roll, he sat down and we kind of did like this this debrief almost and i had never done anything like that really before yeah and he was talking about so we went through these different things that i was doing mistakes i was making in the middle of the role and we went over it and he was telling me something that really resonated with me and this only this has just happened recently so this is like all mind-blowing for me and i'm, I'm starting to think this way now he said uh he said you're at the point in your training where you have to start, you have to get to that next level. He's like, you, you can't, you can't just be making moves out of muscle memory or just because that's all, you know, Yeah. you have to start out thinking your opponent. like jujitsu is a smart man's game. When you get to the point you're at and if you want to take it to the next level and you're thinking about purple belt and, and up, you've got to start thinking smart and strategically. Yeah. It is about, and a lot of guys, uh, analogize jujitsu to chess which it, it is it's being ahead of your opponent and you it's a smart man's game and that that just really resonated with me because he was because it takes that strength out of it it takes the the machismo out of it it's all about brain power and he's like you've got to you've got to think about the next move you're going to make make your opponent make a mistake so you can capitalize on it yeah and that that like I I'm still thinking about that even, yeah. even now and in my training too that I have to be much more precise and specific and intentional with with my rolling, and I found that thinking that way is it doesn't is it just it doesn't just apply to jujitsu you you put it into everything that you do yeah right? you know yeah. I can put that in my job into my job um, when I do like home visits and for officer safety stuff, like I have to be thinking ahead and running myself through scenarios. Like what if this happens, how am I going to react? Yeah. How am I going to put myself in a position of advantage to save someone's life or save my own life? You yeah. Know? So it, it, I can, the cool thing is I can apply it to every aspect of yeah. my life, but yeah, that's awesome. I think one of the reasons that I crave something a little bit more too is to get tested mm-hmm. and, it's like I run through scenarios in my head, and it's not necessarily like, it's not jujitsu related, but it's like, okay, if what if that guy said something to my wife? Like, what would I say? Or like, you know, if I'm in my office and somebody comes in with a gun, like, what do you say or what do you do right. in those situations? And it's like, you, you can't train for a lot of that stuff, but for certain, like in certain jobs, you can train for that shit. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you you know how to arrest someone and right. you can arrest them like the same way every time. And if something goes wrong, like they put their hand in a certain place or whatever, like you know exactly, what to do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I know what you're talking about. That is, that is what I trained to do. And actually I think I had, I think I had mentioned this to you before, but so starting Monday and then for the next two weeks, I'm actually going into, it's called uh, Archon. That's our defensive tactics for the, hand-to-hand defensive tactics and and arresting like arresting control for peace officers in the state of idaho i'm going to a training so i can become an instructor in that oh cool yeah but i bet you can definitely apply jujitsu stuff to that oh yeah a lot of it is it's based off the gracie combatives okay the gracie the gracies especially henner gracie yeah he came up with 
he's very pro law enforcement. The Gracies are super pro law enforcement. And he actually came up with a program, the Gracie combatives that is geared towards law enforcement and it adopts a lot of those techniques. And so, yeah, jujitsu is going to come into play. See, I'm sure you listen to Rogan and all that stuff, but Andrew Yang talking about how cops need to know jujitsu. I don't, I didn't listen to that one, but yeah, cops do need jujitsu for sure. His whole, his whole idea was, Every single cop in the United States should be a blue belt. Yeah. Oh, it's I like, agree. Okay. You could raise the standards. They'd have to train more, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you could pay them more because they did all that extra training. Like, I don't, I don't know. Just watching some of those videos that have come out recently. It's like that one in, was it at Wendy's in Georgia or whatever? I don't there, know. What did they do? One, <laughs> one suspect like tossed two cops oh man and they like just didn't know how to like oh, man. take him down i know it's so ridiculous <laughs> and the cool thing about because and then i've heard i've heard the other side to that too because i i don't i didn't hear that specific podcast but i've heard that before that blue um police officers should be a minimum blue belt yeah which i i 100 percent agree well they I, and then y- you've been to post yeah yeah so like do they teach you hand-to-hand stuff there so it used to be called arrest and control Okay. Um, or AT, um, arrest, arrest tactics, arrest techniques. And we, that's what we would do. And yes, they do is very basic though, extremely basic. And we don't rep it and train it nearly as much as we should. It's just a minimal exposure. Uh, but and then that's it. After post, do they teach you at all? Annually. What? Annual training. Annually? Annual training. That's in, see, yeah. that is mind blowing to yeah. me. That's no, crazy. Agree. I can't speak for every agency. Yeah. I can't speak for every. I can't speak for BPD. I can't speak for Meridian PD. I can only speak for like the state troopers. I can't speak for them either. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know what how often they do it. Yeah, I might have to ask one of my friends that works in that or or something like that. But yeah. I know for us, ours is annually. Yeah, that's yeah, wild. That's it. That's nuts. So. Yeah, I, I like to me. It'd be like I want to be in those scenarios so much that when it actually happens. It feels like practice. Like it's yeah. not like a big deal, you yeah. know? Wow. It's not like it's natural. And the cool thing, and this is where I was going with that too, because I've heard I've heard the argument on the other side saying, no, we shouldn't teach we shouldn't teach cops that and make them more deadly, make them more lethal. Like, no, jujitsu actually teaches you how to control someone without hurting them. Yeah. Like I, I, I know how to make an arrest of someone without hurting them or messing up their limbs or their arms or their joints. Like, I would much yeah. rather get put to sleep in a triangle than get tased and hit my head on the pavement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> like with the jujitsu teaches you how that self control and how to control someone else without. Yeah. Yeah. Without hurting them. I, I seriously would trust, like I would trust you or Brad to oh. arrest me. <laughs> like if I was combative, I would trust you guys. Like I know I wouldn't get hurt, you yeah. know? Um, but even more important than that, just to just to if anyone listening is like totally against going physical, that's not our first. That's not our first uh, go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always our mouth. Yeah. De escalation, hundred percent. I mean, that's something that we as POs are trained in extensively. Is de escalation. I can't tell you how many times I've been put into a situation where an outsider, if they heard the person talking to me they would think that it was going to lead to a fight. Oh yeah. Uh, all I do is just, it's just, I can't tell you how many times I've just talked to someone. Do you think your law degree like comes into that too? Like- oh, absolutely. The, um, I love that. I have no regrets going to law school yeah. at all. Um, it's taught me so much. Yeah. But it, 
how to talk to people, how to approach things logically and try and doing your best to take emotion out of it. When you take emotion out of something, yeah, you don't take it personally. It's a whole, it, it's a whole new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you made me just think of like a time in college when I was at a party and like, you know, maybe a little drink a little bit too much. <laughs> and then one of your buddies is like, Spencer, dude, like, look at what's going on right now. Do you think you should be doing that? And it's like, Oh no, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh yeah, I mean it's comforting to know that. And I like we were talking about this before the podcast too. It's the the people who call to defund the police in Boise, I don't think they've ever met a cop in Boise. Yeah. Cuz Boise has the nicest cops in the world. There's no yeah, there's they're super nice here. Yeah. I mean just go talk to one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and talk. I I think too like you know how they came out with the community policing stuff and that was a big push for a while. I truly think like if every single person had to go for a ride along with cops, like if that was kind of a mandatory thing, I think people would like respect them a lot more yeah. and they'd see the shit that they have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah every day. I did some ride alongs with a buddy of mine. Um, cause I was thinking about, you know, going into law enforcement cause I got, I got two degrees in criminal justice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and I rode along with my buddy and it's just like some of the crap and stupid people he has to deal <laughs> with. Like I get why that job's stressful, but, I, the way he deals with it though, he's like the nicest guy in the world, Yeah, you know? Well, that's the thing. I, I, I think I can speak for the law enforcement agencies, all of them here. When I say that de-escalation and talking to people and having this community relations is their top priority. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the most important aspect of, <laughs> of all of our jobs. Yeah. And I, I'm confident that I can speak for all the law enforcement agencies here in Idaho. When I say that, like, yeah. it's, it is. It's about community relations and de-escalation and talking to people. <laughs> I, I think I'll all make my kids go on ride-alongs. You know, yeah, that's just not a bad idea. Yeah, just so they meet a cop and they know what they have to deal with and stuff and um, what they look for. Like one of the biggest things that was surprising to me was the cop I rode along with. Like, didn't care about people texting and driving. He didn't really care about people speeding. Um, he he just knew like. It's not that he did it himself. He just knew that that wasn't the crap that he should worry about. Um, and one guy, we were over by the mall, and one guy was trying to pass like two lanes of traffic, and he was just like kind of screwing everything up like during rush hour. And my buddy rolled his window down and did like the, you know how you turn the siren on like, real quick, like the whoop thing? And he just he yells at the guy. Like the guy like turns and looks. And he yells at him. He's like, quit driving like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and the guy was like, okay. <laughs> like, that's I mean, that's just how he dealt with that situation. And like, that's the kind of cop I want to deal with. Yeah. Not a cop who's going to go start shit with people. Yeah. You know? And there are those. There are those cops. But I haven't, at least not here. I've never seen it I here. I dealt with it. And I, I think, here. I mean, what's our agency? Like 300 cops maybe or less? Uh, BPD? Yeah. I, th I think about, they're either at 300 or... Give or take a few. Do you know how many cops there are in New York City? No. There's like 40,000. <laughs> and that's where that's why I think like, okay, I think they can vet them a little bit better here. But like when you're hiring 40,000 people, I, there's Holy the, cow. You know, the bad apple slip through, whatever, all that yeah. crap. Um, but there's just so many different personalities that you have to deal with. But I don't know. Every interaction I've had with a cop here, like I've had interactions with cops where I know I'm in the wrong. Yeah. And it's like I... Just fucking own it. Like, I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah. Well, I think that's a huge problem, too, is that a lot of people don't take accountability for themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it turns into this whole crazy thing when it's just, 
if you're wrong, just just own it. Yeah. <laughs> just own I just think seeing it from the cop's point of view makes you respect them more. You yeah. know? And I I don't know. I think that would go a long way with community policing. If there was somehow like, yeah. like hey, we're providing ride-alongs and you guys should all come do it or whatever. Come see come see a day in the life and see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so how long have you been in your current role? About a little over three years. Okay. So do you have to train new guys too then? We have, I'm, I don't, I have yeah. I, I would like to one day. I yeah. actually, in our, like, I guess the, um, the similar role would be FTO like yeah, yeah, field yeah. training officer, which most agencies have. We have something like that and I'm in the process of trying to become one. Gotcha. But no, I, so I don't currently, Yeah, but that would be cool too. Yeah. To that's what, that's what my wife and I actually talk about fairly often. It's like the way you get better at stuff and the way you see holes, like in your own game mm-hmm. is teaching somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I totally could see that. Yeah, that's true. That I mean, that's why I'm trying to be. I'm at totally. I'm I'm at the point in my life, both personally and professionally, where I'm trying to become an instructor in that. So yeah. I haven't experienced that yet, but that's exactly why I would like. I'm not trying to better some other people. I'd like to better myself too. Yeah. And I think uh, I've heard this so many times before. Teachers will say, teachers in anything really will say uh, they they learn better by teaching others. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Increase their own knowledge and performance by teaching others. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And at, at our CrossFit gym too, like sometimes people ask me why certain things. And sometimes I'm just like, Oh shit, I don't know. I got to figure that (laughs) out too. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's cool. I don't know. That's where the, 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 that's what what I loved about law school too. If there was one takeaway that law school taught me, it was, finding and learning how to find the answer yeah. for yourself yeah because i'll get qu- asked questions all the time and I'll, I'll have to be honest i'm like i don't know yeah but let me find out yeah <laughs> let yeah. me find out let me yeah. give you that answer it's funny that you mentioned that too because i think that's what i got from grad school was oh, like nice like yeah you f- just figure out how to problem solve like yeah. i don't i don't necessarily like i wouldn't say i'm an expert in like criminal justice but i'm an expert in like going to school and like learning shit and like figuring things out and compiling information yeah like that aspect i would say the exact same thing like i'll I'll have so many people when they find out i go to law school they'll ask me like oh what's this law what's this law like they'll ask me something about property law i'm like dude i i I like almost failed property (laughs) law but but here's the thing like i it made it didn't make going to law school didn't make me an expert in the law like i obviously know more about the stuff that i was interested in like constitutional and, and criminal law yeah but even then i'm not an expert but what i am an expert in is i know how to find that answer yeah that you're looking for it's being an expert problem solver yeah i know how to go and solve it and do that and find the answers so yeah that's what i loved about it dude you know what's cool and you just made me think of this but like Another thing that's cool about our constitution, and I hate, I don't want this to turn into like a rah rah American podcast, uh, but like the fact that you as a defendant, like if you're in trouble for something or you're like blamed for something, you're so protected. Yeah. And like the burden is so much on the state that like as, as a citizen, that makes me feel like very comfortable and like proud because like i know i it's like very rare that people get wrongfully convicted obviously it does happen right um but like if you're in trouble for something you're so protected by all these different things Mm -hmm. and the burdens on the state to prove it to a group of people absolutely and that that standard beyond a reasonable doubt that is a hard standard to meet yeah it it really is (laughs) yeah yeah um i mean why do you think 
prosecutors and uh, public defenders, or and not just public defenders, but criminal defense attorneys, settle settle before yeah, trial yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah, all the time. Plea agreements all the time before trial. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's a hard it's a hard standard to prove. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I just God, I think I think what it came up. I was reading an article about Derek Chauvin, the guy that killed. Uh, oh yeah, uh, George Floyd, and and this uh, like. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And if he doesn't get convicted, like I'm going to be kind of pissed because obviously he murdered that dude. Right. But the standard by which he's, I think he's being charged with like second degree murder or something. I don't even know. I know he's being charged with murder. I just, I just didn't know the specific, but what I was reading was there's, there's two different autopsies that took place. And one of the autopsies rules in favor of the state. And one of the autopsies rules in the favor of the defendant and the way the law is set up is the the judge can only make admissible the one that rules in defense of the defendant. Oh, wow. Yeah. And huh. it's like, holy shit. Like, they've thought that through. Like, how many cases have gone through the criminal justice system that there's, like, precedent for that? Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know it either. And I don't... I'm not a law expert. <laughs> like, I'm caveating this with that. But I was just reading it, and it... It just made me think, like, holy shit, like, everything is set up to protect you. Like, there has to be enough evidence to convict you. Like, they're not going to convict you as, like, a show trial. No. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another reason to love America. There's not show trials. No. (laughs) The the Constitution, as it's written, it's it's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. For lack of a better word, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, It's designed and written to help every American citizen. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people need to realize that too. Like, the Constitution as it's written is amazing, and maybe there's been like some mischaracterizations, or they've like used it wrong, or yeah, there's you know. misinterpretations all the time. Or you can't even, I can't even correctly say that. That I don't, I wouldn't even say that's the correct term, misinterpretation, because the way it's that's the beauty of it, as well as the curse of it is it's written. Sometimes it's written so. Like vaguely, vaguely and arbitrarily, that it's you can go both ways. Yeah, right? that's why we have all this precedence. But that's also the the beauty of it, and because you can, it's and it's for intelligent people to have conversations about that. And it's it's obviously influenced by current events too. Yeah, I mean, what's what is going on in the world at that time? Totally, that's being discussed. Yeah, or in the in the United States at least. I had a conversation with someone about the um, the gay couple that was going to the cake shop and the the people who owned the shop were like super christian and they didn't want to bake a cake for a gay couple okay did you hear about this yeah and i i was like going over my head i'm like well they're a private business they can do whatever they want yep but these people's civil civil liberties are protected like it was kind of like a weird thought experiment to have and it's cool that like in america that that issue got so high to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. to make that decision. It's like, holy shit, they actually like care about this and they want to figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. No, it is pretty cool, which is why I was, and then it, this is kind of going off on a tangent too, speaking of the Supreme Court, but it's also related because I don't know if, if you were keeping track of like the second, the, so the second amendment, 30 round magazines in California, know, that is, is awesome. that what you're talking about? No, but Uh-oh. I'm talking about the Supreme Court denied to hear or take up any of the 10 uh, Second Amendment cases oh. that were pushed before them. This this just happened a few months ago. Oh, I didn't. There were 10 Second Amendment cases 
that went before that that they petitioned for the Supreme Court to hear, and they the Supreme the United States Supreme Court denied to hear what, all ten of them. What were the cases? That I don't know. <laughs> I just knew there were ten. Yeah, and it was all Second Amendment. Uh, cases so they just left it up to lower courts to figure it out or? just the i mean the decision of whatever appellate court decided on that yeah they, bas- basically what the supreme court said was we're not gonna take it up right now uh, and so gotcha. i mean that that makes that decision of the appellate court well don't final. they only like they only take like one percent of stuff that gets to them right that i don't even know but yeah it's such a limited amount i thought yeah it's such a tiny amount of, yeah tiny percentage of what gets pushed before them dude i petitioned before them you're talking about the second amendment stuff do you follow like joe jorgensen oh, i don't follow her i just so it's she it's interesting i'm i'm gonna vote for her i'm gonna vote <laughs> for her too. for her but i have to also say that's all based on her second amendment politics yeah, i literally know nothing else about <laughs> she her. posts quotes that are like she says uh any any weaponry that the government has, I believe private citizens should be able to own. Yeah. That sold me. <laughs> yeah, totally. That sold me. Yeah. Um, it's just funny how some of that stuff is like turned into memes. I know. Um, I just don't understand how people don't people don't agree more with like the libertarian point of view. I just don't understand. It seems like the most logical Right. Yeah. Socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Like, what else do you want? Uh, the least amount of government infer- interference. Totally. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. No, that's. I'm surprised I haven't gone that way before. I never, never it, because you never hear about it. Really, it's yeah. always they always push or the media always pushes. You either have, cons- um, Republican or Democrat. Yeah. Republican or Democrat. Yeah. And it's like no, that's. People should know there's, there's not. a third there's a, option. There's another option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. I just think it's crazy. Yeah. How it's set up to think that we only have two options. I don't know. It's wild. And I wish like everything that's going on now, I wish I had studied or got up to date more with, with politics. Yeah. I just don't, I never interested me, but I, I wouldn't say that I have like strong opinions about certain things. I mean, I have strong opinions about some stuff, but I just like watching everything. Like I like, (laughs) I just like paying attention to it. And it's not, it's not to the point where like I crave it and I watch it for like entertainment. Yeah. It's more like, it's just interesting to, it's just a snapshot in time. And like, what are the history books going to write about it and stuff? Oh man. Yeah. It's just interesting. I don't know. It is. It's crazy to think about. About what? all of this right now is going to look like in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Trump became president. Cause I'm sure people thought like it was wild that Ronald Reagan became president. Cause he was like a movie star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I still think Harrison Ford should be president. Like <laughs> from uh, air force one. <laughs> like if, if was that you that posted something oh, like yeah. that? I was, oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing that and I never, <laughs> I never responded to it. Cause you did ask, right? Yeah. Which, which movie president was that? Hell yeah. Dude, I know if, Mar- you're, if you're movie pre- or if you're president in real life, can't get in a fist fight with a dude and win. Yeah. Like we have two 75 year old dudes. Oh, I know. Oh, that speaking of that someone, I, now I wish I paid attention to this conversation. I can't even remember who the person was. I was having a conversation with, but a president of some country 
was uh, there was a video of him their president doing like dips with chains oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like i don't know but yeah that yeah we needed someone we need a leader like that yeah, that's yeah, someone yeah. i will follow <laughs> that's the one thing about obama like obama can get on a basketball court and like throw down with dudes <laughs> <laughs> uh and then somebody snuck video of obama working out like at a hotel gym one time oh no, and i think he was just in that. town somewhere yeah and he was doing like he was like superset and like bench and tricep pushdowns or something it's like, oh shit! Like, uh, I don't go. think uh, Trump does that. <laughs> does that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's it's just weird that it's weird that it's gotten to this point where it just seems so polarizing. And maybe I just didn't pay attention to it that much, like back in the day. But like you and I, I okay. I'm not going to get into specifics, but you and I could disagree about shit. Oh yeah, and we're totally fine. Like, yeah. I don't understand how people like if. If you say one thing like, oh, I'm pro-gun, then like somebody completely discredits you. Like how – I don't understand yeah. how you just can't have a disagreement about something. And still have a – court, like still be cordial and civil yeah. and all that. Yeah, because yeah, we've had that before. Like, yeah. we've, we've even talked about stuff that we've disagreed on. But it's like – but look, we're right here right now. We're friends. So totally, <laughs> like, yeah. Tell you, like it's okay. Yeah. You can't have everyone agree or disagree on everything. Yeah. And that's I don't what get that either. My buddy Rob, who was on, made a good point. Because um, I was telling him about when I played football at BSU, like there were dudes who were like Marxists, and then there were dudes who were like crazy gun nuts and like cowboys, and then dudes from the inner city. Like it was a crazy mix of people, but it was just like that's who you are, but we're all football players. Yeah. And and he was talking about with the military. Like, yeah. like there's one thing that like binds you all together. Yeah, I was just going to say, and that, that can be applied to jujitsu as well because there's so many different types of people that do it. But the the common theme is there's something that every single person, no matter what background they're coming from or what beliefs they hold, there's one common thing binding them together. And yeah. You guys, it was the football team for you because, I mean, the, the the mission and the goal was the same. Yeah. Right? You guys – all of you understood that. Yeah. And you knew that coming together and working together was the only way to succeed. That's what it's I like that for the military. Yeah. Uh, it's like that in jujitsu too. Like we all, I just think people should take more pride in like being from America. Like yeah. it's a pretty fucking cool place. It is a cool place. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know, maybe if everyone said that they were American first, then we can figure some other shit out. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we're coming up on an hour and a half, and okay. I know I know you haven't listened to any episodes yet. I'm going I, to. <laughs> I'm going I'm to put you on the spot. Um, I've been giving people the last word, so I'm going to give you the floor, and you can just put out some good vibes for everyone who's listening. Oh so, man, okay, all right. I like that. I don't know that what you said right there. That's going to be my thing. Just be kind to people. Be nice. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your races your religion your socioeconomic status is just be kind to people and try not to take everything so personally and seriously and serious um i mean like like what happened to me today at the at the co-op I oh mean, yeah because even though i personally believe that masks are dumb and i try my best to not wear them wherever i go yeah i went into a store a private establishment and they told me dude put on your mask and i said okay yeah, <laughs> I said, yeah. Okay. you respected that i respect i respect other people's beliefs whether i disagree with them or not and so just be respectful and i think if we can all be respectful and be kind to each other moving forward we can come up with a solution 
Like yeah. It's okay to disagree. That's the beauty of being human and being so different from one another. I think we need that. It's healthy to disagree because you need to be open to different mindsets, different, um, different views, different perspectives. And uh, that way you can grow yourself. Yeah. So be open-minded, be respectful and be kind to one another. I, I love mean, it. It's simple. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thanks for being Sweet. on the podcast. Oh, thank man. you. That, yeah. It's crazy. I was nervous at first and I was, and I wanted to sound intelligent and also, <laughs> but, uh, this was awesome. I, Dude. I feel like I have so much more to say to talk about too. You're we welcome on anytime. We, we didn't even get into gun stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't get into like jujitsu that much. Yeah. But, I need to yeah. pick, I need to pick your brain more. Um, and we, and we can end it soon. Uh, but I need to pick your brain more cause my dad just got a new gun. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, God, my dad and I both bought shotguns like last fall and we still haven't shot them. Oh man. Yeah, so we need to go get out there. Nice. But Debbie and I, during the quarantine, we were doing our uh, patio project. And so we were dumping dirt out in the desert. And so every time we'd go out there, we'd bring our guns. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> yeah. smart. Yeah, that's that perfect. So smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, right on, man. All I right. appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you. Yep. Yep. Cool.